Hi, I'm Ron Moorhead, and you're listening to the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, that's his Hey there, fellow zoners and paranormal ponderers. You are in the Paranomaly Zone, your weekly dose of all things, you guessed it, paranormal, strange, and mysterious. My name is Patrick Koffenberg. I am responsible for this jumbling, bumbling mess, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, I'm going to say it again, the extremely pasty, he's damn near glowing, <laughs> Mike Carbno. How are you doing, my friend? It's good to see you. It's time for yeah. some uh, Paranomaly Zone greatness. Yeah, and I do <laughs> glow a little bit, don't I? Yeah, a little bit. I have bit. a certain glow about me. Yeah, that, that's your positive aura. That's what's, yeah. that's what's shining through, and I actually have to put my shades on to do this podcast right now. It's it's uh, actually just the fat within me rendering down and becoming shiny on my skin. Oh, my God. That sounds awful. <laughs> my, yes, it is awful. I don't know. That's not, that's not fun. the proper attitude to start the new year. That's right. It's been a, it's a good year so far. Awesome. It is Friday, January 6th, 2023. We hope everyone's new year has been treating them in an awesome and safe and healthy manner. Before we go any further, I want to send some positive shout-outs to Bridget's dad. He's made an awesome recovery. I, I, I never mention anything like this on social media or, or because I, I don't want to. But, uh, yeah, Bridget's dad fell very, very ill a couple of weeks ago. But he has made an awesome recovery. Um, send some positive vibes our way that that uh, positive trajectory continues and um, we'll go from there. But big thumbs up to Dave Bridget's Pa. It was good to see him earlier tonight. And it's good to see you, Mike. Uh, yeah, as now, always. Now, is it good for our listeners <laughs> to hear us tonight? Yeah, that is the question. That's the question of the evening. This is take three tonight. Take three. Yeah. Uh, we've had some connection issues, um, all sorts of stuff is just kind of getting in the way of podcast greatness, but we're pushing them aside and we're forging forward like the podcasting warriors that we are. Yeah, and I'm not even going to talk about the dogs. Well, you just jinxed it. You jinxed That's it. That's why I'm not going to talk about it. You jinxed it again. But <laughs> I can see that you're joined by your freaky ass monkey again. Lurk, yes. Lurking over your- My funky monkey. Oh, man, you know, you should like, sleep with that thing maybe you know no. just kind of why hey you quickly said no no why is that are you afraid of your own uh your own monkey monkey <laughs> yes my monkey scares me i don't like my monkey yeah no i love my monkey that was a gift from one of my daughters that's awesome it's just wicked looking though man Ugh. yeah 
And that's sitting right next to your absolutely ginormous router. But a ginormous router for a ginormous man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding, Mike. I'm kidding. Hence the glistening rendering down fat within my body. Mike, positivity, man. Positivity. <laughs> you know I joke. You know I am positive. Kidding. Mike and I, we're close enough. We're good enough friends that we, we jab and jibe and all that stuff. We <laughs> yeah. throw our best jabs at each other and make fun because it's all good. Because uh, Yes. We're only serious half the time. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Mike's like going, oh, that's well. Well, I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have a good one lined up, Mike. Uh, this will be yeah, our, we have. Yeah. This will be, I guess, our, our premiere episode of another kind of, I don't want to call it a side project, but along the same lines as our terminal uh, episodes where we're mm-hmm. not necessarily swaying from the content, absolutely not swaying from the content, but just focusing a little bit more on particular topics Along the same line, you know, kind of making a good sub-series, maybe we'll call it a sub-series. But yeah, tonight is the premiere of our Bigfoot Encounters sub-series. And what better way to start than focusing on the Ron Moorhead story. Yeah, of course, I am talking about Ron Moorhead and the, well, I'm going to say it, famous Sierra Sounds. Famous definitely if you're interested in uh, cryptozoology Definitely, if you're interested in Sasquatch and Bigfoot and the research and study behind these uh, mysterious beings. But I think uh, it's safe to say, Mike, that you agree with me that these are some of the most astounding and uh, important encounters uh, with this creature, being, whatever you want to call it, uh, ever. I think that's safe to say. This cryptid being. It is absolutely important. I mean, just think of the things that we didn't know before uh, Ron came out with these um, these uh, recordings. I mean, they're amazing. The sounds that that we know of the Bigfoot now that we the uh, we we wouldn't know if we didn't have what he had, what he had uh, recorded. Oh yeah, they were the an absolute first of its kind. Uh, I would say they're probably still the most um, potent. I mean, that's the word that pops in my mind. The most, like, you, even if you're a pseudo-skeptic and you listen to these things, you're scratching your head. It's, it's, a, I, it's mysterious. It's fascinating. And I'm going to use that word again, astounding, because if, if you think about these recordings, if you accept them as being legit, as Mike and I do, it's unbelievable, and it, dare I say, earth-shattering. I mean, it's, it's definitely earth-shattering when it comes to this, the study of anthropology, um, the history of man and evolution. Of course, a lot of people do not even believe that Bigfoot slash Sasquatch is in any way, shape, or form related to us you know, whiny, wimpy little humans. Some people go as far and say that they're alien creatures. Some people say they're inter- interdimensional beings. Uh, we'll dive into a lot of that stuff before the episode is over. I know Ron has kind of gone back and forth between what he thinks is going on there. I, I think when they first captured these recordings back in 1971, they were they were pretty certain that it was just um, an earthbound creature. Once you say that's that's true, Mike, and he's his thought process and his interpretation of what may what these creatures may be has really expanded. Um, as Ron has told us, I mean, we've been lucky enough to have Great. him on the show three times 
uh, once uh, during the Nonsense Cast radio days, once during the Ultimate Real Podcast days, and once during the current Paranomaly Zone days, which was already over a year ago, Mike, when he talked to us. My God. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Um, hey, I think Bigfoot's in Mike's house right now. That sounded like Bigfoot. <laughs> um, yeah, Ron's uh, thought, his interpretation, his theories about this are really, really intriguing. And I'm not necessarily going to go as far and say that we agree 100% with what Ron thinks is going on there because he totally thinks and believes that these are, uh, dare I say, interdimensional beings, spiritual in nature for sure, uh, based more so on the ethereal than the physical. Right, exactly. So, um, well, you know... I guess there's not much we not much more we can say as an intro, for lack of a better term. But uh, Mike, what were you, what were your reactions when you first heard these sounds, these recordings? Oh well, I, I you know I was excited hearing because I was hearing from you about about them and and how awesome it was and everything. And so I was getting this kind of preconceived thing in my mind about what they're going to be like, but. Um, once you you're hearing him for the first time, it's like nothing that you would imagine what they would have been. I mean, the different um, vocalizations and the different sounds and the almost mimicking, you know, words almost, um, you know, the whooping and the the beating on a tree. You know, these are it, it's amazing things that um, we're lucky to have all of them concentrated so much on these cds that that uh that he put together yeah i guess i i forgot that i was that was the first time you heard those as well as when i uh when i brought those to work maybe when i i, I let you borrow them because i stumbled across these things right. and i found out they were available for purchase now we're talking like shit what 15 16 17 oh, years yeah. ago easily yeah um when when those old fashioned antique cds were still the rage boys and girls yeah. Uh, man, I was excited to hear that. And I, I got to be honest, when I first listened to some of these things, I got kind of creeped out. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anything malevolent in nature uh, coming from those particular uh, creatures in those recordings. I, I don't, but some of the sounds, man. If you're a, a sensitive wee lad like me, <laughs> um, it kind of sent chills down my spine. And, you know, it puts you in that classic... Uh, well, you, you, you tend to put yourself in the mindset of what would I do if I was out there? Yeah. Mike, what would you do? Okay. Well, I'll set the I'd table. Be terrified and excited at I'll, the same time. Okay. I'll, I'll set the table. Mike and I yeah. are out wandering the Sierra mountains out in, in California there. Okay. And we're, we're, we're camping after, uh, well, let's see. It took us nine hours to drive to the Sally house. So how long would it take us to drive? to? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, man. And yes, Mike, I'd let you drive the whole way because otherwise it'd take us about a month to get there if I was driving probably. Mm -hmm. Now we're up there camping. We're just having a good time. We're not planning on encountering any mysterious beings, uh, let alone large, hairy ones (laughs) with guttural voices and the abilities to mimic human voices, apparently. And at this point, we have no idea about what these things are or that we even were there looking for them. Right. Right, right, which is kind of Ron and his uh, hunting crew. was Exactly. Uh, they were not out there searching for this by any means. They're out there hunting. 
that was their, you know, their, mm-hmm. it's a secret locale that they went to every year. Oh, it was like a whole hunting camp they had set up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And before you knew it, they started getting signs. They started hearing things. They started seeing footprints. They started, I mean, any number of things, you know, we highly Probably encourage Probably smelling guys. some things here and there. Yeah, I would say so, you know. I think they have some, I'm sure they have outhouses up there, Mike. I mean, they, they have human needs, so mm-hmm. don't go yeah, there. Yeah, well, they do because they had an outhouse that had a actual toilet seat on it, okay. and that, that there's some pretty uh, interesting interaction with that <laughs> in the Bigfoot. That's one of my favorite parts in, in, those, yep. in those CDs, <laughs> man, is when you hear that. You can tell it's down in the camp, you know, or, or you know, down by the, uh, I guess, the potty area. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you can hear it from a distance and it decides to start slapping that toilet seat up and down yep. <laughs> <laughs> all while like whooping and hollering and yeah it's like mabel look at what i found hey mabel go start beating on that tree over there we got something big here oh man <laughs> yeah it's it's they're incredible again um Long-time listeners, they know that we've talked about this before. Uh, actually, one of our, our Patreon episodes focuses on the, the recordings themselves, and we do share some of the audio. You can find them all over the place. You know, uh, Go find them on YouTube. Uh, but we encourage you to check them out on our Patreon yeah. page. You can sign up Absolutely. for as little as a dollar. We have uh, 58 exclusive episodes, all sorts of awesome audio and uh, video footage from our own personal paranormal investigations. Man. Darn near 300 uh, posts, all exclusive to our Patreon family members. Um, yeah, we'd love it if you guys gave it a shot. No obligations. You can sign up for a buck. And if you don't like it, you can go away. And yeah. <laughs> no hard feelings. Trust us. But uh, we think it's worth the uh, the um, the shot. But, man, again, getting back to these audio, these audio recordings. Truly mind-blowing. For people like me, who's fascinated in the topic of Bigfoot anyways. Mm-hmm. You, know, you always have been. Always have been. It's almost like it solidifies, you know, the the belief that I have had. You know, the want that I have had. I've wanted this to be real. And now, is this d- definitive? Was that? Uh, I think Mike just released a Bigfoot guttural sound there. That was interesting. But uh, was that a dog? It was, my, it was my throat. Oh, wait. No, no, no. This is your throat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not your stomach. Mike insists that this is his stomach. (laughs) Is not your stomach. Well, I was just thinking of the proximity of the uh, of the digital recorder to my, you know, guttural region. During those years, did you have like a, a another being living inside your stomach or something? I mean, did you have like an alien ready to pop out? I mean, this is not this is not from a stomach. That is not from a stomach. No, Sorry. That's like that's like a very large turd that's been working its way out for about a week. <laughs> Translated, that means I don't think I'm anywhere near the end yet. <laughs> so what I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So what you're saying is that the moment you hear this, immediately following that you hear like a little bloop in the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, little, big, yeah, more like bloom, a, whatever. A tidal wave, maybe. I don't How know. did we get on this subject? I now? don't know because <laughs> we're we're clowns sometimes, but yeah, we're clowns. But you know what? I think our listeners appreciate that yeah. nature or that side of us, right, Mike? I don't. Yeah, right. 
Well, so uh, anyway. Yeah, sorry. Now, how should we get back to our, our focus here? Yeah, oh. yeah. You got your book there. I got my book. That's that's. This is the amount of research we did for this episode. I grabbed my book. That's yes. that's what we did. Um, I don't know about you, Mike. I guess I'm speaking for you. I shouldn't. What 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 else did you do in in preparation for this episode? Um, I don't have a book. <laughs> so that's I, all I got. I prepped more than Mike. <laughs> I prepped more than Mike. So is that an autographed uh, copy? It is. It is. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Sorry, this is this is book called Voices in the Wilderness, a true story, second edition, written by you guessed it, Ron Moorhead. And on the inside, it says Patrick and Bridget. Great to get to know you both. Thank you, yeah. Ron Moorhead. July thirty first, two thousand and fourteen. Right there. That's yeah. Right. Awesome. Anyway, I thought this would be a good reference uh, point. Oh, ab- absolutely, you know, it is. And I have none of those books. I mean, I've got the great, wonderful. Uh, uh, paranormal book that my brother gave me. Um, yeah, that's right. Now that's Mike's looking reference. frantically for it right now. He's like, "Where the hell no, is no, it?" No, no, it's here. It's always here. Okay, Mike. Now, uh, swinging back again, I, I want to get a, a, a definitive answer. In all sincerity, if you and I were out there or anywhere for that matter, and this sort of stuff happened, and we started hearing these these sounds, and we felt like we were quite literally surrounded by a family of these things, or at least, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a family, but a number of them. Um, what would your immediate reaction be? Would you be like, I want to get out of here, or this is amazing? What do you think? I know it's hard, well, like, you know, hard to answer questions like that, I know. If, if, it's, if it's us now that we're there and we have the knowledge, you know, we'd have an idea of what we can do and what we can hang around for and, and feel fairly safe. Um, but, you know, like back in, like, what, 1971, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, information on Bigfoot or, you know, that, that, you know, people would know what that was. I mean, it was just, you know, barely a couple of years previous that, um, you know, the Gimlin film came out and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, the Patterson-Gimlin film, absolutely. So. 100%, man. Yeah, we, you know, so. We don't even know if Ron was familiar with that. Exactly. With that Maybe video. never even heard of it yet. Mm-hmm. But um, just, you know, initial, what the hell, you're kind of freaking out. You're, you're feeling a little nervous because you're hearing something. You don't know what it is. And then when you start getting deeper into that interaction, I mean, they did the right thing. I mean, it's like, you know, and uh, what did they record on, though? Did they did they bring recorders along on this hunting trip for some reason? Well, yeah, because they had been hearing these noises for some time okay, prior That's during right. prior um, hunting expeditions. Yeah, and they so yeah they came they, prepared. They this came time. prepared, yeah, because they came to the conclusion that this was the <laughs> same group of you know beings, creatures, mm-hmm. Bigfoot, that were uh, uh, overlooking them at their camp year in and year out, and they decided to bring those recorders. I think the prior year they had a couple of very short uh poor quality recordings you know they still got some crazy sounding stuff and then you know the next year or two they started bringing more and more equipment and they got these fantastic fantastic recordings and i don't care what the pseudo skeptics say go try and mimic those noises right as a human being you can't haven't they been tested by uh yeah you know analyzed yeah i mean i'm not going to I'm not going to know the science, the scientific right. definition of it off the top of my head, but I know I know some of the 
air quote proof behind these was that these vocalizations had like multiple octaves going on during the same, you know, it it was something that human vocal cords, it would be impossible for them to produce. Um, Mm -hmm. It was something that was just unheard of before and inexplicable. So it's, again, to me, these recordings are proof positive. I understand the skeptics, uh, but man, I would love to share these to a pseudo-skeptic and say, just talk these away. Come on. Yeah. Tell us well, why you, you know, think these are faked. They would find a way, though. Well, yeah, duh, of You know, and sometimes I think whether it made sense or not, they would still try to put it off on something, <laughs> you know, yeah. just because there's no way that they're going to let themselves, you know, give into the possibility even, mm-hmm. you know, but that's talking pseudo-skeptic, so... We're talking Bigfoot here. Yeah, it gets me angry when we talk about pseudo-skeptics. Yeah. You don't want to see yeah. me angry. <laughs> I mean, they're human beings, too, and they deserve love, but they need to return it as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they need to do. Well, I, I do, but I won't say it here. Because <laughs> um, I am a, yeah. I am a gentle person, a gentle man. Yeah. Oh, Mike, Mike, a gentle, a gentle wee man I am, a gentle wee lad. And I'm a gentle, large person. <laughs> He's extremely large. Uh, anyway. Inspector Inspector Camp from Young Frankenstein, do you think Mike is uh, extremely large? Let's get, you got to answer me now. Do you think Mike's extremely large, Inspector Camp? Of course. Okay. Of Sorry. course. Sorry. That, <laughs> I didn't set that one up that well. Well, I mean, I set it up well, but then the audio didn't work. So timing is everything. So it wasn't nearly as Yeah. Uh, so it sucked, it actually. It did suck. It did, it, yeah. Just, <laughs> just like me at everything I do. So thanks. Yeah, well, so anyway. Here I am trying my best (laughs) to entertain our five listeners and Mike agreeing with me, giving me weight to my own uh, downtrodden outlook (laughs) on myself. Your insecurities and whatnot. Positivities. We're six days into the new year, about 20 minutes into an episode where I was screaming all things positivity about 20 minutes ago. Nope, that's all gone. All gone. Yeah. Just because... Of Inspector Kemp. Of course. Yeah. No, see, now you played right away, bastard. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Mike, I know we've talked about this on, I'm sure we have on several of our Bigfoot-focused uh, episodes, but I want to I bring it up again. From your heart, from where you truly believe, without thinking too much of it, is Bigfoot a physical earthbound being to you or something more? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. Oh my God. I, I never knew. Oh. Lord, Lord. Um, you know, I can just keep going back and forth on that, but you know, that's the thing, isn't it? Cause you can go back and forth with that. That's what makes, and, and again, I love putting Mike on the spot. I love putting him on the spot and making him try to answer these deep questions because <laughs> he gets flustered. Now he's sneezing and coughing. He's falling over on his, on the, on the floor. Now the dogs are humping his legs. Had to sneeze. Okay. <laughs> no, no, the dogs are sleeping now, I think, yeah. Oh, okay, good. Anyway, yeah, I was trying to work out a sneeze there that it just wouldn't come, and then I <laughs> had to mute my mic. Do you ever think that sneezes that don't come out are like, they're like the spirit world tickling the tip of your nose? Just some, yeah. Something yeah. that's just right there. <laughs> and come where out. do they go if they don't come out? Uh, They're just stuck somewhere. <laughs> stuck somewhere in the endless void of unused sneezes in the yeah, bowels of your soul. Your, 
upper left hand side of your sinus passages. That too. That too. <clears throat> but I, I, like I was saying, I was agreeing with you that it's tough because we, I think you and I both go back and forth on that. Yeah. But if you had to pick one, what would you I would pick? say more. There's more to it than that. It's just uh, more to it than just uh, simply being an undiscovered creature, undiscovered. Yeah, species. you know that's what I would want it to be. But you know, but there's still such a good chance that it. You'd want it's to be just what? something. I would want it to be more than just a, ah. you know, uh, just like a bear living in the woods or whatever. But you know, there's a good chance that that's exactly what it is. I mean, haven't been, um, uh, you know, proven yet, but they exist and they know how to hide and um, and they're just on a much higher level of uh, of the chain than other animals of the forest or whatever. I mean, it's like, you know, you've got your dolphin in the, in the oceans that are extremely smart or whatever, you know, um, you know, it's like the Bigfoot. They have, they have an intelligence. They're there. Um, they could so very well be just, you know, regular animals that live on the planet. But I, you know, the way in my mind, I wish for more. Okay. And that's what I would rather have. Now, would you rather have them be like an uh, interdimensional slash alien type of a uh, energy entity or, um, well, no, actually, I'll separate those two. Do you want them to be, would you prefer it to be a spiritual entity or something interdimensional slash alien related? Because mm. both of those options absolutely blow me out of the water. I mean, they do. They do. I, I really like the interdimensional um, uh, theory about it. I, that's, you know, if I had to go with anything, it would be that, you know, could be a spiritual um, interdimensional being. And, you know, we've said this a thousand times, but it's, it is not to be discounted in so many of these eyewitness accounts of alleged Bigfoot activity, you know, these Orbs are spotted in the same locale, you know, in the same right. evenings, you know, the, the same hours. And it's, man, is that just a coincidence? I mean, we're of the train of thinking a lot of times that there is no such thing as coincidences. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Yeah. But it doesn't always help with trying to figure out, um, you know, the meaning and what exactly something is. Yeah. And that, you know, there just isn't enough there, you know, and there won't be enough for us to know for sure. And unless we break through that uh, barrier, whatever that it's been, you know. You know, just just to kind of guide us through the remainder of this episode, I am going to kind of flip flip back and forth through the book here just to hit some, some uh, bullet points, so to speak, and give us some stuff to BS about, obviously, uh, without boring our listeners to sleep. But yeah, go find this book, uh, Ron Moorhead's Voices in the Wilderness. It is, it's self-published, so yeah, help out Ron if you can. You can buy it online. You can go to BigfootSounds.com. You can download the digital version. It's, it's pretty fascinating. I love having the physical copy of it. That's great. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll just read the introduction here uh, briefly. Is that okay, Mike? Are you okay with that? I'm absolutely okay with that. Are you okay with me reading? Because Mike's like, hell yeah, because the more reading absolutely. You, the more reading I do, the less thinking and talking Mike has to do. No, I'm hey, I'm thinking all the time. Do you agree, Inspector Camp? Of course. Okay. 
Um, oh, Mike, by the way, our new sign-off is another recording that I got from Young Frankenstein, okay? You're gonna, really? You're gonna, okay. No, you're going to still say, you know, peace out. Yes. But instead of me saying, you know, what do our awesome paranormal family need to do, I might say something like that similarly. But the last thing you're going to hear is another quote from Inspector Kemp, and that goes such as this. Until we meet again. So there you go. Um, until we meet again. Then, Mike, you have to say <laughs> Then you say your thing. And then right? I'll do my thing. Yeah. So Okay. So this, one, this is a preview about a half an hour before the actual ending. I'll, I'll say, all right, boys and girls, we love you all. Until we meet again. And then, Mike, you do your Peace thing. out. There you go. See? This is why we're unique in the podcast world because we <laughs> have on air production meetings. That's right. And we don't I don't edit jack shit. Um, <laughs> our podcast and people is, are getting tired of it. <laughs> hey, you know, our podcast is as close to a to a live podcast as you can get without actually being live because it is quite literally published about forty minutes after we're we're done here. Right. No editing. I mean, it, right. if Mike goes on his horrible tirades about how much he hates everybody, then I'll edit that stuff out. Yeah. Well, um, you've done well at editing that out so far. I, I have, yes. I've saved, Whenever that happens. I've saved Mike from several lawsuits already. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, the person that just wants to love everybody. Oh, that's a hoax in itself. A hoax. A giant hoax. Yeah. Just like your giant monkey. <laughs> Don't talk about my giant monkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The introduction to Voices in the Wilderness goes as such. This book is about the experiences of a man who witnessed, recorded, and had vocal interactions between himself and a family of giants, commonly referred to as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. His story is true and begins in 1971 when he, along with a group of five other hunters, encountered these creatures in a remote and imposing part of the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. I'll pause there for a second because that is an important point. And Ron mentions that in a couple of our interviews with him, too, is that this is so remote. They're, they're right. hunting locale. It, if there's people out there hoaxing them, I mean, how yeah. the hell did they get out there? Yeah, they're hoaxing it for themselves. Exactly. Just for fun. And it's it's um I mean it's kind of ludicrous. Cuz yeah. it's not worth the effort. To, to yeah, it would find it would be this for place. nothing. Yeah. It's these recordings span a 40-year history or story spans. A 40-year history trekking in and out of this secluded area to seek out and understand the enigmas associated with these Beings. Now, what makes Ron's story so different and compelling is not only the supporting documentation, but the recurrent effort on the part of these beings to communicate with this group of humans. I'll skip a little bit here. Challenged by skeptics, but time-tested by science, this account brings to the reader an exciting report of unsurpassed vocal interaction between humans and Bigfoot. I'll pause there again for a second, too, because, again, Mike, in your heart of hearts, what is going on there? Again, I have I have no malevolent, I get no sense of malevolence in these recordings, you know. Oh, not at all. There, it's, it's. Um, it's purely communication yeah. and kind of figuring each other out. And curiosity. And curiosity. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, and trying, and they're, they're interested. They're, they mm -hmm. want to interact. Yeah. It's. 
no malice. I think it's just they're just as interested and intrigued as yep. Ron and his hunter hunting pals are. Absolutely. And you know, if this place is so remote, how often are humans out there for Bigfoot to even get an idea, yeah. you know, completely about what we are? That's a great point. You know, they they probably look forward to Ron and his hunters hunting group coming yeah. out there every now and then, you know, if they because yeah. you know, this happened over years, a number of years, you know, and Ron and his hunting group, his hunting party came to, to the belief that this was the same family that was right hanging out. I mean, there's some of these recordings. I'm not lying. If you haven't listened to them, it sounds like they have some young Bigfoots popping up every oh, yeah. now and then. Yeah. They have what sounds like the big guy popping in, the the daddy, the boss maybe, um, kind of hushing them down, you know, like telling them be quiet type stuff. Yeah. It's, I, I'm again, if you're not familiar, check these out. They are so fascinating. Way way back in the in the in the woods, you'll hear one of them yell at at what's probably the juveniles. Yeah. Shut the hell up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mike Mike just did a horrible impersonation of a Bigfoot saying shut the hell up. <laughs> shut the hell up. But it was it was they learned how to speak English within an hour. It was amazing. Yeah. So yeah. But, and they actually just pull it right out of their hairy ass. When uh <laughs> Shut the hell up. Each time they say it, it gets better. And actually Ron, Shut the hell up. That second week they were there, Ron actually encountered a uh uh an intellect among the Bigfoot. He was he had a, his bispeckles on, had a, a pipe. He had an English accent. Had an English accent, uh, puffing away on a pipe, reading a newspaper in a rocking chair. Uh, legs <laughs> legs crossed. Uh, very, you know, he is very, you know, they're, they're, they're not vulgar beings. They know that they have private parts. They're not going to just let yes. anyone see them. The uh, voice sounded similarly, uh, oddly enough, like Tony Randall. Tony Randall. <laughs> yeah. Most of our listeners probably don't know who the hell Tony Randall is or was, I should say, but that's fine. No. Maybe they do. I'm, I, I apologize, listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, cutting short their ability to appreciate old, right. old time entertainers. So I apologize. Yeah. For that. It's like, yeah, we just have idiots that listen to us and don't know. Mike said like that. that. <laughs> that's going on the soundboard right there. No, I am saying that that's. I'm saying that like All right. at the 3312 mark, Mike said, we just have idiots who are listeners. So, okay. Got it. Uh, I'm kidding. Everybody. There's only, there's only one idiot here and Mike's looking at him. So. You know, that's not true. I love our listeners. Anyway, go ahead. Thank you for not disagreeing with what I just said about myself, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, not, Mike, I have to explain that joke. Because I said yes. there's on, there's only one idiot here, and Mike. I heard that Mike's looking at him. Then he says, "No, yeah. no, no. I don't think any of our listeners are idiots." <laughs> and I don't think uh, Patrick's too much of an idiot either. So. Okay, thanks. On a scale of one to ten, when it comes to idiots, I come in at a strong what seven. I appreciate. It. I don't know. All right. So, what'd you find in this book here? You got oh, yes. some good reference here. Okay, I, I'm getting along there. Just calm down. And calm your. As the girls, as Bridget and her girlfriends say to each other, calm your tits. I don't know what the hell really? that means. They, they always say that. <laughs> it's like, girl, mm. calm your tits. That's not me. Well, that's that's Bridget and her girlfriends. Sounds a little vulgar to me. And more than a little vulgar. Come on now. Well, vul uh, Bridget's just a big walking vulgarity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could say something more about what she is, too. But, you know, when you're talking about hey, calm I your 
And everyone knows that Bridget is right up. Well, not everyone. Our longtime listeners know. Maybe new new listeners don't know that Bridget is right outside in the living room right now. Right, um, exactly. Outside of my uh, my podcast um, safety yeah. safety room in here where I go to hide. Um, and she can damn she she can hear me, but she knows that uh, I'm kidding, kind of. Um, and Mary, she's like ten feet behind me, sitting on the couch. Right, I know. Yeah, every once in a while you'll hear a giggle or a laugh. It depends on if I yeah if I may or, if I succeed in being funny or not. Or or a, <laughs> a, a feminine fart coming from yeah. from, from a feminine <laughs> fart yeah just <laughs> <There's> just a <laughs> little popper yeah. they're, they're cute they're cute toots yeah, yeah. little cute, cute toots. toots that's what we call them oh, good Mary's God. got cute toots <laughs> I had no everyone has stopped listening by this point so that's fine yeah okay continuing science has, has established that these unusual sounds were spontaneous and made at the time of the recordings. And in a more recent study, a, comple- a complex language was actually discovered. The author, Ron Moorhead, thinks they are self-aware and, like humans, can reason using cognizant thought. From a shrewd forest monster to a half-human remnant of a demigod, the reader should be prepared for an exclusive look what this author thinks. His story also provides the reader with a unique and refreshing insight into the nature of these giants. But what exactly are these legendary beings that stealthily roam the forest? That is the question. That is the question mm. of the day. I yeah, think... his... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go he, ahead Mike. Uh, his, uh, the evolution of his theories and thoughts and beliefs have really uh, changed over the years. Um, I'm not, I don't know if it's changed. It's just, it's growing a lot. And there's been a lot added to it about how he, what he feels that they really are. I mean, this is after decades of, of research and thinking about this and, and figuring things out. Um, yeah, that's like, you know, that's something that should be pointed out. This isn't something that just happened to Ron Moorhead and his, and his hunting party. And then they just left it. No, this has been Ron's life work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. A very intelligent man. He's he's he he dives into the potential physics behind this stuff, and it's it's, right. it's kind of mind blowing when you sit and talk to him. Very well educated, it, knows what he's talking about. Absolutely, and he's got that voice. He's got that oh, great voice. That deep voice. Yeah, a voice that I am envious of. That's for sure. Yeah, and then you know, it, it's interesting that we've had the chance. Um, to talk to Ron Moorhead and get his experience and get his thoughts and beliefs, and then to talk to Jeff Meldrum. Oh, I know. You know, and get his take on all this. And then, um, you know, we talked just very briefly on Ron Moorhead's uh, theories and things like that. And if obviously totally the opposite of what Dr. Meldrum believes, which is understandable. But, you know, what a great great thing for us to be able to do is talk to both of these guys and get both those sides. It's just been an amazing thing. Oh, we are so lucky. I mean, because we respect both of them so much. Absolutely. To get both sides of the story, like you said, or not both sides of the story, but just... Right. Their their own perspective, their own take on it, their own theories. Yep. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Very uh, very amazing, and we are very, very, very uh, lucky. Fortunate. 
Yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, we do have our video chat with Jeff Meldrum available on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. So go check that out. You can look at Jeff's glorious beard. It's Yeah. It's, it was quite impressive. He is to uh, the beard what Mikio Kaku is to the hair. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. <laughs> we could just create some perfect guest, you know, some um, amalgam. Um, I can't say that word. I'm not going to try and say that word again because I keep butchering it. We can get yeah. like some Frankenstein monster type creation of a, a perfect <laughs> podcast guest. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, the, the hair and the beard, mm. we got those first. And, and Ron's voice. How's that? Ron's oh, voice. Oh, absolutely. Mikio's hair, Jeff's beard. Well, you know, on on Jeff's beard and hair, it, it's all like one flowing blanket of 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 uh, fabulousness. It's <laughs> like a shroud of glory. Yeah. that just looks. You know, wonderful. it's kind of weird. It's just kind of odd how we we uh, uh, reference some of our guests by their hair <laughs> and their <beard>. and by <laughs> their beard and how they look. Hey. Well. <laughs> It's a visual world, Mike. It's a visual world, so nothing, nothing wrong with that. I'm just kind of perusing through my book here, trying to find anything that pops out. I mean, the whole book is just is fascinating. You know, you know I, a lot I of this figured, stuff, you know, just you know, do some great Google search. You're going to find a lot of great information, even. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's all like I said, it's all over the place. You can find the yeah. recordings on YouTube. Not all of them. Not all of them. You know, you know. Tidbit, tidbits and snippets and all that you can definitely yeah find it well one chapter here is listed as first contact that was involving his couple of his hunting party warren and lewis johnson uh yeah so so boys and girls are we doing good so so far no yeah so, no i apologize mike needs to sing while i'm looking for stuff <laughs> Don't you think so? Yeah. Yeah. No, no I don't. No. Um, I can whistle a tune through my nose. <laughs> okay. All right. No, do I'm, it. I'm not going to do that either. <laughs> it Sometimes it makes my nose bleed, so I, I try not to do it unless people really, really, you know, well, encourage I'm gonna, me. I'm just going to kind of randomly go through something here. Chapter 9, 1974, yeah. Interaction. <laughs> So during it goes as this, and I'm not going to read all of it, but just some of it. During 1974, <clears throat> getting time away from work, this is Ron now writing it, obviously. Getting time away from work was difficult for some of the guys. So on three occasions, I actually went to the Sierra camp alone. I have to say on those quiet nights, I would have liked it better if someone was there to look over my shoulder. I mean, they had already experienced a lot of these, you know, interactions and stuff. So that would be a pretty tough thing to do, I think, yeah, to be out there by yourself. Yeah, that's what he's just saying. It was kind of tough. He wanted, yeah, it would something be with them. Uh, plainly speaking, it's spooky being there alone. I might add that going to camp by myself was also a way for me to face the unknown, a possible measure of my nerve. I was 32 years old, impulsive, and thought I was indestructible. In retrospect, going alone was probably a boneheaded, stupid thing to do. Besides not knowing for sure exactly the type of creature we have been dealing with in this remote area of the wilderness, if I broke a leg, became caught in really bad weather, or anything terrible happened, I may never have been found <laughs> or could simply turn into bear food. I mean, th these are real possibilities here. You know, Watch snacks. Watch <clears throat> snacks. Hey, that sounds like a legit business idea right there, Mike. Yeah. Uh, let's create our own Squatch Snacks. Yeah, make like little hairy cookies that smell bad. 
<laughs> num nums. Notwithstanding accidents at that time, I thought it was okay because none of us had been attacked, carried away in our sleeping bag, or harmed in any way. Although there were no vocalizations during the previous year, I still hope that Biggie was around and would interact. Now, Biggie was the common nickname that they gave to this group of mm-hmm. beings. Um, again, they came to the belief that it was a family, but they collect. He referred to them collectively as Biggie. Due to the, however, due to the lack of corroboration by someone else, confirmation of possible big Biggie activity would have been arguable. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. And he kind of goes on about saying that when he's alone, your imagination runs wild. Um, he did have his three fifty seven Magnum handgun available. I mean, not with the intent to harm, harm, but you know. Yeah, I would have felt safer. Felt safer, potentially uh, self-defense, protecting yourself. Yeah, and, you know, again, it's nothing about carrying weapons to, you know, invoke harm upon these creatures. No, it's all about just feeling better about yourself, feeling yeah, feeling safe, and I don't blame them at all. Well, you can imagine the bear and everything else that's out there that you don't want to. Yeah. And like we said, especially when you're out there by yourself. I mean, my God. Yeah. Now, uh, Ron goes on the right here, says, My summer's non-productive alone trips faded into September's hunting season with Bill. They began to wonder if their Bigfoot experiences were, were in fact, over. Now, it wasn't until sometime later during the same fall hunting trip that... um, while on the trail, on some switchbacks on their on their horses, you know, trying to avoid rattlesnakes and all that good stuff. I mean, these again, we can't emphasize enough that these are kind of treacherous. This is a yeah. treacherous locale. It's like people, yeah. let's go hoax these people, and risk our own lives doing yep. it. If we're not going to get eaten by a bear, we can get a you know bitten by rattlesnakes for God's sakes. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, he said he was. You know, you could you could die out there and just never be found. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, they find some poor schlub in a Bigfoot outfit out there. You know, yeah. <laughs> just he fell off a cliff. You know, like I yeah. just <laughs> I wanted to play a trick. Uh, uh, and I found here at one point along the trail. I'll begin. I'll pick up where Ron is writing here. It was a relief to not have to grab JR's mane, obviously his horse, for support in those steep spots of the trail or be overly concerned about Rabbit showing his individuality. Rabbit was another horse. I was in the lead position when I noticed a fresh five-toed footprint perpendicular to the trail. That was a showstopper. My adrenaline rushed, my eyes must have gotten bigger, and I immediately got off my horse and called for Bill. Our jaws dropped as we silently gazed at this 22-inch print. That is huge. That's large. (laughs) I took a picture, and I stuck my boot next to it and snapped another. I placed my watch next to it and took another. We didn't have the time, nor did we have any casting material or water nearby to make a cast and wait for it to dry. Our horses and mules would have obliterated the print, but I smeared it out anyway. In a day or two, other hunters could be using this part of the trail, and I wanted to make sure the print didn't draw any unnecessary attention. We now had little doubt that our giant friends were with us again, and it was exciting. I hadn't noticed any human tracks on the trail and very few animal signs. Now moving further along, 
we get to some sections here where it says, you know, if you buy this book, you get the CD, you get the audio clips. Right. And it's kind of like a follow along, you know, because we get up to a part here where it says play soundtrack seven, where you describe what's going on. Play soundtrack eight, play soundtrack nine. These are, it's really, really, it's, it's cool enough to listen to them on their own. But when you have the follow along book here and when he's mm. telling you what's going on. Yeah. You can really place yourself. I could imagine. <clears throat> When these creatures break a limb, it's not like hearing a large animal step on a limb. The sound is huge, sharp, and has definition. Play soundtrack seven. It was them, or at least one of them. I think that's what they do to get attention. He's referring to breaking these limbs. Bill and I looked at each other calmly, reaching into our saddlebags, got our recorders placed, or smiled at one another, and kept doing what we were doing. Usually the creatures will come in closer if they think they're being ignored. It wasn't but a moment later that we heard rocks begin to pop together and a large limb being rhythmically banged against a boulder. Play soundtrack eight. I don't believe those types of sounds were meant for us, but rather they may be signaling to another family member. Now, that's intriguing because they're not, first and foremost, where they say they seem to come closer to you know the camp or to us when they feel like they're being ignored. I mean... <laughs> When they act like, like they, they are, can sneak up more, maybe, maybe that's what it is, uh, or maybe they're get are they getting frustrated because the humans aren't reacting as if they didn't notice. Sure. So like uh, maybe we have to get closer to these to these these things. <laughs> these, yeah, that's a good thought. That's very possible. These hairless and smaller versions of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. These hairless apes. Hairless apes. There you go. <laughs> you know, and then when you hear the you know the classic. Uh, tree limb knocking, tree limb banging, you know, whatever you want to say. The rocks clanking, the rocks yeah. being thrown. Uh, Ron sits here and thinks that perhaps the these were signals to other Bigfoot who may be in the area to say, hey, yeah, come here, you know, look what we've seen, look what we've got. And I can, I can go with that too, that theory, because, you know, like you take a branch and you hit it on a tree like that or hit the rocks together, I think that's it would be great for communication because I'm sure that sound travels for many, many, many miles. So it would be a good thing for communication. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting to hear. Again, I'm flying through this stuff. But at one point, a few years later, the Ron's camp, he has a photo over here right now, started to get ransacked by a bear. It just over and over mm -hmm. and over. It kept getting ransacked by this bear. You know, they had to deal with it because their stuff yeah. was getting destroyed. Um, they actually, you know, they had to kill the bear, unfortunately, they just to save their supplies. And, you know, that's costing them a lot of money. I mean, it, it's sad, but, I, you know, I get it. Right. But Ron noticed that after the, the shooting of this bear, that the interaction really started to decline. Mm -hmm. And is that something? Well, how, how can I phrase this? Do you think that they were weary, wary, I should say, Mike, of the humans and their their capability of ending life at that point? And they're like, whoa. Oh, sure. Well, if they knew that, uh, you know, they knew what happened. They knew that the bear would, had been killed and they knew it had been killed by them. Um, I'm sure they did have an apprehension of what if it can happen to them. Or maybe um, they weren't happy with the fact that they killed the bear. You know, that's part of their, as part of nature, as part of, you know, um, you know, I think Bigfoot has that connection with, with nature 
to where yeah. it would have a, a, a possible feelings like that. That could have been like a, that could have broke their heart. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to sound corny, but like you said, when they're that right. in touch and we're just theorizing here, we don't know. Oh, sure. exactly. But you if, know, if, if they are that in tune with nature, I mean that they probably literally yeah. felt that death themselves. In a, you know, being, uh, uh, an intelligent sentient being, yeah, you know, they, they could have that, that feeling. Uh, going up to chapter 11 here, snapshot of the seventies is what chapter 11 is called. My takeaway, Ron's takeaway from 1971, is that the beginning vocalizations sounded very antagonistic, possibly territorial, like they wanted us to leave. <laughs> Perhaps still a bit angry about being burned by the teapot water, because one of them earlier on, Mike, they, and I believe this may have been caught on recordings, I don't know about that, one of them, while in the camp, messing around the fire, the campfire, decided to tip over the, the, the boiling hot yeah. teapot, I remember that, I believe, yeah. And uh, you can imagine how that went. <laughs> the rapid-fire vocal displays sounded ape-like and at times must like much like chest beating. We also heard what sounded like teeth popping and the smacking of lips, maybe a bit challenged while trying to get down the peanut butter we left out. So, <laughs> because, you know, they were leaving out these little kind of gifts for them. They're trying to entice them to get, to the, you know, get in the camp so they can get closer and get some good possible recording. So, yeah, they'd leave food morsels out the peanut butter. Um, they were really trying to interact with these beans. Mike, you right. look like you're going to say something. Well, you know, these sounds that they're hearing, like the, the teeth and the lips and the chest beating and things like that, those could be all types of communication as well. I mean, um, you know, amongst themselves, or it's more of a gentle communication. It's not like the whooping and yelling and hollering. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, a calmer way of communicating maybe you remember you, know, these... you, you remember those clips mike where it sounds and they mentioned this it sounds like one of them is laughing do you remember that clip it's like, yeah I, yep i mean because yep. they're messing around with them because they would ron and and i'm not sure who was with them at that time they were you know they were doing their impersonations of what they were hearing and they were doing the whoops and the whoops and the different noises yep. back towards whatever was out in the woods and you'd hear them like start cackling and it's just right. bizarre. And then they would fire right back with these just monstrous sounding whoops and whales. <clears throat> it's, I got kind of the chills thinking about that right now, actually, because it's so fascinating thinking that this really happened. Right. To, to me, and this, that's, you know, this happened. To me, this happened. This is without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. I agree. You know, this is a, a, a true story. But, you know, could you imagine actually being there and communicating that, I mean, with these creatures i mean as you know as as you know how you felt about them for so long if you're out there being able to do this i mean that'd be like uh you'd be able to die happy uh it would be it would be a dream mike you know yeah. it would be a it would be a dream i know it sounds kind of corny but no man, it doesn't be fascinating uh now to go on during the chapter is still a chapter again called snapshot of the 70s <clears throat> ron goes on to say that 1972 the sounds were still very aggressive, but also somewhat curious, like they were coming to terms with us being that being there. That was a year that they made a lot of pack trips into the camp, explored several other areas, had numerous encounters, and they had not once ever shot at them or panic during any of their displays. Their non our non threatening presence coupled with our cheerful attitude might have been appealing. 
Ron thinks that they felt more secure with us and became bolder as summer passed and hunting season began. Going on to 1973, 1973 brought little activity, and they don't know why. Al Berry, another member of the camp, was there for most of the summer. He was also there for a different reason than the rest of us. Not to relax, not to hunt, but to seriously investigate this phenomenon. Ron goes on to surmise and hype, hype, uh, theorize that they may have sensed the difference between him and the hunters and then had their guard up. Yeah. Now, Al also brought a brother with him who had never been there before and was a new face. And so they thought maybe... They're like, okay, who the hell is this stranger? We're not going right. to let them know that we're here. A little leery about the new person. Yeah, it's like, you know, we, they kind of like, they gained their trust, but then we didn't tell you you could bring another person here. You know? Yeah, I totally, right, exactly. I get that vibe. Uh, going on to 1974, Biggie began to demonstrate a different sound, unlike any they previously heard, with a definite desire to vocally interact. These vocalizations seemed like a concerted effort to slow down their rapid garble to what they may have considered something recognizable to us. Now, that those are included in some of these recordings. Yeah. Where it really does sound like they're mimicking the human voices, doesn't it, Mike? Yeah, I believe so. It's like, uh, you know, they're getting the idea that, that the humans weren't quite understanding what they were saying. Mm-hmm. So, like, what we would do with somebody, you'd slow down your talking, you know, you'd ease it up so it'd be possibly more understandable for someone. You know, we would do the same thing as human beings. Now, during 1975, the group didn't make very many trips to camp, and the trips they did make were void of any noticeable activity from Biggie. So the activity continues to slow down. In 1976 was when we had shot the bear, and in an afterthought, I've wondered if Biggie became a bit wary of our actions. They know that the bear just wanted to eat and went for food, but, you know, and that we were intruders. This is what he's saying. He thinks the Sasquatch yeah. was something. If we were intruders. We left out the apples, and this was the bear's territory. We probably shouldn't have left our food so exposed. The remainder of the 70s and most of the 80s only gave us occasional footprints to look at and infrequent, distant, biggie chatter. This was an indication that they were still around. Once in the 1980s, during the day, Warren and Lewis said they got a glimpse of glimpse of one, sorry, up close to camp. Now, another trip during the 90s, when Ron was there with his daughter, Rhonda, Ron decided to record what sounded like a big owl, which was up the ravine about 200 yards. Ron inadvertently left the recorder's speaker switch on the on position, and due to the small microphone pinned to his shirt, a high-pitched squeal fed back. The only the owl sound immediately turned into Biggie chatter. <laughs> so, I mean, this continued through the 90s. I'm not sure if Ron still has been going up to his camp. Um, I think he says yeah, that, he does, that he does. Yeah, he's getting up there in age. Yeah, I think he just turned 80. Yeah, just this last something like year. that. I think he told us, but I can't remember, of course. Hmm. Now, I'll wrap it up here by saying, you know, Bigfoot was not approaching his camp as before and wasn't vocally interacting anymore. During those years, except for the recordings, the creatures have been very crafty and they avoided them so often. You know, they would see fleeting glimpses of them. Again, you hear that in the audio recordings. You hear them go like, oh, there he is right there. And you hear them yeah, like running right. away into distance. And just mm. at super fast speeds and the agility is like amazing. Yeah. I mean, this is according to them. We weren't there, but I, you know, I believe them. And then, you know, these, uh, uh, 
times when they haven't seen them, like some year the years they'll go up there and they they won't see them or they won't have much interaction or whatever, you know, um, you know these creatures could be semi nomadic even. They might not be there the whole time. I mean, it might be their yeah. place where they base themselves out of. So, you know, they're there more times than not, but. You know, are they uh, learning more about humans as the humans have been interacting with them and they've been coming, becoming more shy, you know, especially after the gunshot with the bear and everything. But, you know, and then as the decades go by um, or the years go by, is there, uh, you know, juveniles that have grown up and they are acting differently when the older ones have not mm. been there in the forefront, maybe, Um you know, there's a lot of things you can think about about why it slowed down, or you well, know. I believe if my if my memory is correct, one of the last times they heard one of these, you know, Sasquatch people, whatever you want to call them, these sounds, Ron was thinking that it sounded melancholy to him, as if uh-huh. he they were thinking that one of them had passed away. Uh, or it could very well be, yeah. You know, or maybe more of the family had passed away. Um, who knows how long they had been there? Who knows how long, how old these creatures were? Exactly. I mean, again, we don't know. Pure conjecture, but it's interesting to think about. Now, again, uh, um, I jumped the gun there about wrapping it up, but I will wrap it up here, I promise. <laughs> Ron goes on to say, we seem to continually underestimate Biggie's level of reasoning thinking of them as very elusive but unique creatures, and we were just unlucky and not skillful enough with our tricks. But after years of interviewing folks, coupled with my involvement with credible Bigfoot enthusiasts and hearing many of accounts, I've concluded... Now, this is interesting. This goes to like how Ron has really changed as his ideas have grown and expanded. But at this time, upon the writing of this book, he says, I've concluded that they are likely much more than just an elusive, unidentified great ape running around in the woods. To me, barring any paranormal issues, they seem to live and act more like a primitive people, very much in tough in touch with the environment. So not an elusive, unidentified great ape. He's thinking more along the lines of a primitive people. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that, Mike? Of their- well, that's very interesting because, uh, <coughs> well, and that's happened. I mean, yeah. I remember, I think this was in the 70s where um, the Tassidae, people were found in the jungles of I think the Philippines and they had lived there for centuries or who knows how much longer than that as a tribe no interaction with the outside world I mean they were living like uh, you know like prehistoric uh, um, people mm-hmm. you know I mean they're and I'm sure they're still in the deep jungles there's there's tribes like this I mean that yeah. we haven't seen, you know, this could very well be something like that. Um, that is a, a fascinating, a very primitive tribe that hasn't changed, you know, for millennia, you know, many millennia. To me, that is a fascinating option. I mean, it's, a, it's fascinating and I, I don't mean to downplay it by any, by any means, but it's also kind of less intriguing to me. <laughs> I'd rather. Well, I know I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I'd rather have it be an, an unidentified great. Wow, I think your Bigfoot's breaking into your house again now, Mike. Or is that one of your <laughs> one of your talks? Tell Mary to calm down. 
She's wrestling with those yeah, they're, dogs. They're they're wrestling around themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time to wrap up the show before more wrestling comes along. But um, the, this, the Great Pyrenees, she she takes her mouth and she can almost take the shepherd's whole head in her mouth. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> it's so huge. But anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, I kind of i I don't necessarily buy into the idea of it being a primitive people, but I'm not dismissing it because I don't. Right, know. I don't buy into it so much either. But it, it's definitely something that is w- worth discussing and thinking about. Because, like you said, Mike, that is possible. I, I saw something online recently. I can't remember who did it. He's probably he's some social media guy, some YouTube guy. But he and a buddy landed on shore of some primitive, you know, outcrop somewhere where they were, and they were greeted by you know a, a tribe of people who have wow. never seen you know the white man probably or, or anyone else for that matter and they're sitting there with their cell phones you know filming them and they were so happy and they were jumping up and down and they were just hugging them and so like and fascinated wow. by these people I, I i think they lived <laughs> you, know, I've never you, seen... you could you could rule that place in two weeks <laughs> yeah right you know <laughs> and i joke you know but you never gosh you never know i mean <laughs> You know, what these people, they could have, you know, the people who landed there with their cell phones, they could probably, you know, have all well intentions, but then they go out to shake their hand and they shaking their hand is actually a sign of death or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, that's a, that's a challenge to the death. Yes. You know, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's very, it's fascinating. It's so intriguing. So I don't dismiss that possibility. I don't buy into that one and not because I personally right. am less interested in that, but uh, I don't know. It just seems. It seems. More it takes away the paranormal it aspect does, of it. It does, but it seems. Uh, in the cryptid. I know this is going to seem really weird because I believe that it's an unidentified great ape, you know, of some sort, for lack of a better phrase, back for lack of a better term, than as opposed to um, a primitive tribe of humans. Um, what was I going to say there? I lost my train of thought. Oh, it's going to sound bizarre that I think the chances of it being. An unidentified great ape is greater than it being a um, a primitive group of humans. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the example of the mountain gorilla again. Shit, I know it. You know. Man, you know, uh, again, Mike, human beings, we think we're so smart. We aren't. I mean, there's... Are, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're on the top of the uh, intelligence level of this planet. I yeah, it, you know... <laughs> Sometimes it really, you really scratch your head. It really makes you wonder when you look yeah. at how we're able of able to act. And I don't know. I'm not going to go down <laughs> that crazy. road. I'm not going to go down that yeah. road because I'll get, I'll say something nasty. Well, Mike, um, yeah. your dogs are getting anxious. I think they sense the podcast is coming to a close. And so they're going, come on, dad, come on, dad, get out yeah. of that chair. Play with us. Play with us right now. Come on. We're going to be mm-hmm. loud. We're going to be loud. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to end on that, on that whimper right there. Yeah, just hey. <laughs> we're done. Well, um, again, this is our first uh, of the sub-series Bigfoot Encounters. If any of you listeners out there think that you may have seen or encountered or know of anybody who may have seen or encountered perhaps an alleged Bigfoot or Sasquatch person out there, oh, my gosh, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to be on the Paranomaly Zone, it's an open invite. That's all we're going to say. Feel free to reach out to us with any awesome stories of paranormal of ghost encounters bigfoot encounters alien sightings oh by the way that's right mike i told you about that the other day bridget just yes. casually mentioned to me the other day oh by the way i think i saw a ufo oh, what what, what? <laughs> what? 
So, um, yeah, those earlier earlier this week, she was driving to work about four thirty in the morning on our county road here, and you know, heavily wooded area on her way, and she saw a very odd, bright light that apparently just went straight down, straight below. It was hovering above the tree line from a distance. And then it just dropped straight down underneath the tree line. And yeah, it, see, that's awesome. And it what I I asked her all sorts of questions. Trust me, I did. And it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I never said it was a UFO. I oh, Bridget's p- chiming in right there. What's you said it wasn't? Now come and say it in the microphone. Bridget's Bridget's going to say something on the podcast for first time uh, in two awesome. years. Okay. okay, this is Bridget, my lovely fiance. Wait, hold on, you got to sit down. Yep, I'm giving Bridget the mic, and she's going to talk about her. Oh, big, this is exciting. This is ex- What an end to the podcast. Okay, there you go, Bridget. <laughs> Lean in. Uh, hey, beautiful. How's it going? Hi. Okay, listen. <laughs> when I told Yeah, story, I need to hear about this UFO I, thing. I never called it a UFO. It was just this weird thing that I saw okay. on the way to work. It was really early in the morning, like around 4.30. I'm heading into work. And just this usual route that I always take, okay? I'm always there. And it was just this light that was above the tree line, super close. It wasn't like it was a distant light because it looked like a light bulb. You know, how mm-hmm. the center is really bright. Yeah. And then I could see the ring, like, around it. And I'm like, that's kind of a weird light. And it was coming down at a really steady pace. It wasn't like it was super fast or anything like that. And it went right behind the tree line. And I was watching it, but I was driving at the same time. So I'm trying to focus. <laughs> um, and then I, when I, there's an, another turn that took me in the exact opposite direction. So I could look at where it would have landed or whatever from a different mm-hmm. angle. And I didn't see anything. And that was just seconds later. It's not like it took me forever wow. to get to that point. But I was like, well, that was really weird. And then I just completely forgot about it for a few days so that's my story but i never called it ufo i was like what it's a what the fuck was that (laughs) that was definitely unidentified yeah but it's great it i love the idea that it was going down yeah you know that it was definitely coming down and it wasn't far away but i was like that is a really weird light that was definitely not a star nothing like that just really cool it was a perfect night clear conditions it wasn't obscured by anything but i just forgot about it but maybe the aliens intended me to forget about it oh yeah they can zap that right out of your head (laughs) no i think that's totally what happened so here well that's awesome but no that's my story super quick but well thanks for coming on and sharing it it was no great hearing your voice on here ufo i'm like i never said it was a ufo so i had to come correct that point (laughs) yeah because it was something i'm still a bitch (laughs) (laughs) it technically is a ufo because it's identified and it was flying and it was an object so therefore it was a ufo All right, hold on. I get my headphones back on my my giant head. Your head. <clears throat> well, that was great. That was a- it's been how long since your voice has been on the podcast? Man, at least two, three years. Far too oh, long. Yeah. Far too long. So that was good to have. Ah, now everything's yeah. falling apart. Ah, we're ending. We're okay. I think I'm back. <laughs> okay. But a great story, though. I mean, like I was telling her, I was. Uh, 
it's just so cool that the it actually was hovering and then came down right yeah behind the tree line that's saying something there that's and pretty it, cool yeah you know, i think she mentioned that too but just in case she didn't I, I asked her if it was and you're certain it wasn't just uh a jet or a plane that was flying straight away from you and kind of gave the illusion that it was you know yeah sinking. right and she said no no absolutely not because it made she knew like what a, she was seeing yes, yeah absolutely so. you know which is cool too because okay now she, there's that sighting and then when I lived there, um, I had that sighting that I saw of the three orange orbs in a triangle. And then I remember um, uh, Colleen, um, our wonderful supervisor that we had. Yes, um, yes. All right. That we miss. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, um, I remember her telling a story when I lived there that, uh, and this was at work one morning, and she said that um, her dad, had reported, or not reported, but had told her that he had seen a ship-like thing go down and was hovering above water over one of the lakes out there, you know, and there's, you know. I remember that now that you mentioned that. That's right. Yeah. But he said it was like, I mean, she said that he described it as a actual saucer-like craft. Wow. Wow. And it came and it came. And I didn't she say too that it was like I don't remember the saucer like part. I remember the part of it being above the lake. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, you're right. I'm sure you're right in remembering that. I'm just not playing. I, it. I swear that she said something too about that it was like like it was sucking up water or something was coming out of the ship. Oh, something that, like that. That sounds familiar now. Mike. I think sucking up water. And that's a story that's been told by other people seeing, you know. Yes. UFOs by or saucer type crafts by water, they'll be sucking up water. I don't know if it's you know for whatever reason, but um, that's been mm. reported before. That's oh, that's crazy, man. That's a great memory. What a great poll that you just pulled. <laughs> yeah, I just remember her so distinctly telling that story, and her and Dang. she said that her dad isn't a type of guy that would you know joke around or make something up like that. Well, and again, and we've shared, and we'll, we're, we're wrapping it up here, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, we've shared this before, and since I mentioned them earlier in the podcast, you may remember the crazy uh, airborne anomaly that Bridget's dad and uncle got chased by at night yeah. when they were out by the Osage Beach, you know, and they were yeah. they were parked, and all of a sudden that light just showed up, freaked them out. They peeled off and it followed them. I mean, it was in the air and it was, that's just kind of bizarre and crazy in itself. And I don't know, lots of crazy stuff out there, Mike. And for us humans to think that we know the answers to everything, uh, yeah. we don't think so. Get your head out of your arrogant asses. Well, relatively speaking, that's kind of a, could be considered almost a high activity area. I mean, it, you know, there's years between between uh, sightings, but um, still pretty interesting. There's something going on. Something, perhaps. Yeah. Mike, um, I think this turned out into a pretty entertaining, hopefully informative um, episode. I hope you feel that way too, my friend. Thank you. For, I do. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. It's always a blast doing this. We have so much fun. We'd love to hear from you guys. I mean, just just give us a shout out. Just say hi. 
send us suggestions. If you want to be on the show, let us know if you have encounters, like I said earlier, of any kind of the of any kind, yeah, of the unknown, the spooky, the spectacular, and you want to share them. Here we are, right here. As I said, it is an open invite. But again, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be here next week. We love all of you guys. Until we're not again. Peace out.